This program has been made possible through the support of Cruise, driving cities forward through their autonomous vehicle development. Learn more about how Cruise is transforming the future of transportation through improving our cities by building safe, shared, and all-electronic self-driving cars. Visit them online at getcruise.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Envision America session. Uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and why asking for help is so hard. This is a great session. I'm going to give you the starting code for that as soon as I find it. Uh, yes, and that opening code is 52163. And again, that code is 52163. And I'll be back at the end of your session to give the closing code. And now I'd like to introduce Sharla Glass from Envision America, who will uh, describe today's presentation and introduce her great panel. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, Deb. All right, so so I'm Charlotte Glass. I work with Envision America, uh, Public Policy and Community Outreach Coordinator, and I'm happy to host this panel discussion. Um, We are going to be talking about why it's so hard to ask for help, and I kind of picked this topic uh, for two reasons. Um, First of all, we have uh, so many customers that want to have script talk, and they say, you know what, I just... I just don't feel right asking my pharmacist to do this for me for one reason or another. Like they already do so much for me and I don't want to ask too much or I'm afraid to ask them, you know, what if I offend them and then, you know, things become strained. And, and so I was like thinking about that already. And then something else in my own life and somebody said, well, why didn't you just ask for help? And I was like, you know, (laughs) that's a good question. You know, why don't I? So um, I kind of started thinking about it and, I said, you know what, I bet you there's a lot of people who have this same thing and maybe just talking about it will uh, open up, you know, the doors and get us thinking about it a little more. So I invited uh, three people to be on my panel and we're all just going to say, well, we've all been thinking about it. We're going to share some ideas. Um, So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm I'm just going to briefly let them each introduce themselves and then we're going to um, just a brief introduction, like what, who you are, why you chose to be a part of the converse, conversation. And then after everybody introduces themselves, each of each of the panelists are going to talk for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then after that, we're going to um, kind of open up the conversation and do questions and answers. And the panelists, if they want to elaborate on each other's conversations they're going to do that as well so that's kind of what the plan is um hopefully we'll all have a good time um so uh, we're just going to start the conversation with some introductions and um wendy why don't you start your introduction there all right thank you charla hi everyone i'm dr wendy david i'm a licensed clinical psychologist in seattle washington I worked for 25 years with the Veterans Administration in the area of post-traumatic stress. And I've been in my own private practice now for about seven years, um, seeing individuals and couples. And uh, this is a great topic that comes up a lot in therapy. All right. Um, Artis? I'm Artis Beeson. My 
business is Bazin Communications. I'm an inspirational speaker, business coach, and writer. And before that, I was a Randolph Shepard vendor. And I love this topic. All right, Derek. Uh, yes, my name is Derek Daniel. Um, uh, after uh, losing my sight, I did all the things that a normal person would do. And then I realized, well, I have something to give back to those people who have lost their sight. And so I started a YouTube channel and a podcast, and uh, I just offer help and support where I can. Um, I am a, uh, a person who counsels other people. I do coaching as well, but my hope is that I can just help encourage people to keep moving forward in, in what they're doing and to let alone. And as far as this topic goes, I think I end up talking about it a lot um, just simply because of the nature of how we've all gone through sight loss and it's uh, it's a challenge to know what to do next. So I'm excited to keep talking about it. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here today. So, Wendy, why don't you take a few minutes to, uh, you know, maybe give us some background on this and what you think. Okay, thank you. So, you know, it's such an interesting question because when you think about it, almost every important human encounter boils down to the act and the art of asking something. Um, you know, asking in itself is really a fundamental building block of any relationship. We ask each other all the time, bosses, friends, spouses, employees, you know, will you help me? And in asking that, what we're really saying is, can I trust you to help me? Or will you not hurt me? Or are you sure I can be vulnerable with you? Um, and being able to sort out these fundamental questions can at times make it very difficult and very painful for us to ask, even with people that we think we should be able to ask. There's so many types of asking for help that people have used. You know, some people go the big route and they do crowdfunding. Um, some people, you know, do the, the phone call. But it seems like to a T, most everybody, if you ask them, is it easy for you to ask for help? They're going to say, no, it's hard. But we all struggle with like, how do I ask for help? And when do, should I ask for help? And who's really allowed to ask for help? And what's okay to ask for? And why would someone want to help me? And what does it say about me if I ask for help? Is it distasteful? Is it shameful? Um, does it make me beholden on to someone else? You know, if, if I ask them for help, then do, do I owe them something? Um, and how do we know when it's okay to ask and who's okay to ask and when it's okay to be even vulnerable enough to ask? So what's interesting about it is when uh, Charlotte brought this to me, I was thinking about this is such a huge topic in therapy that people often just have so much trouble asking. Um, and personally, I've struggled with it myself throughout the years. Um, and and it's, it's something that we all do and that we all need to do. So what makes it so hard? One of the things that we think really makes it hard isn't really the asking, but kind of what's underneath the asking. And when you think about what is really going on when you ask for help, a lot of times there's fear, there's fear of rejection, 
it makes us feel kind of vulnerable and needy. We might fear we're being a burden on someone, or maybe they're going to think, you know, we're not very qualified or, or uh, productive ourselves. And what does it mean? Am I a drag on society that I need help? Am I a drag on a friendship or a marriage? Um, to ask for help, does it mean I'm admitting failure to something? And when you think about it, when you look at really successful people around you, what you find is that successful people ask for help. They ask for money. They ask for your vote. They ask for your acknowledgement. Um, they don't let the fear of no stop them. And yet for so many of us, the fear of no just kind of really keeps us locked up inside and keeps us from really venturing forth and, and going past the fear of, will I get rejected or am I even deserving of help? We have to really be believe in the validity of what we're asking for and in doing so, we have to believe in the validity of ourselves, that we have value to be deserving of help. And I often think back to our early histories, being a psychologist, this is just sort of my norm in, in working with people and thinking back on my own history. You know, when you're a child, you look at the world and you're collecting ideas and you're sort of connecting thoughts and and seeing how the world responds to you. Um, and what happens with you when you're vulnerable? Are you allowed to be vulnerable as a kid? Are you allowed to ask for help? Or are you made to feel kind of shameful or weak? Or are you made to feel like a burden? You know, and then add to that piece when you're blind. You know, do you have to ask for things as a blind child that other kids maybe didn't have to ask for? And what does that teach you about yourself and maybe how society or other kids view you. I remember when I was a little kid and when the teacher asked another kid to walk me to and from the lunchroom and the other kid said, I don't want to. And I remember feeling intense shame about that and that I didn't want that kid to have to take care of me and walk me to the lunchroom if they didn't want to. And in studying more and more about asking for help, what I've learned is that asking for help really needs to be more of a collaboration. It's asking for something without shame and asking because you deserve to ask. Um, when you ask for something with shame, it gives away your power. Someone else has power over you. When you ask for help with condescension, it says, I have power over you. And when you ask for help with gratitude, it says, we have the power to help each other. We are in collaboration. And in essence, that's kind of the, the difference between asking and begging. When, you're, when you ask, you're collaborating. You ask with dignity. You ask with reciprocity. You allow for vulnerability and exchange and respect. When when you ask or when you beg, it's basically you're demanding a fear. You have fear and shame and it's showing a demand that doesn't allow for the other person to reciprocate in a way with gratitude. So we want to really keep in mind that um, asking for help 
is really a very collaborative effort. And those of you who have studied Benet Brown at all, she writes a lot on vulnerability. She says the perception that vulnerability teaches, sorry, the perception that vulnerability is weakness is the most widely accepted myth about vulnerability and the most dangerous of all. Rather, vulnerability takes courage and it takes daring and not deserving of the judgment or criticism that stems from our own fear and discomfort. So in essence, asking for help can really create community with each other. Um, she says, and I like this, that there's only two things that you need to determine if you qualify to ask for help. One, are you a human being? And two, do you have a problem that you need assistance with? And if your answer to those are yes, then great, you're deserving. And that really sort of narrows it down into, um, I think, a more palpable way of handling it. But we know that even social pain, you know, asking for help or that fear of rejection, that kind of pain is our brains interpret that as pain. And so it still can be quite hard. Um, so why, you know, we have to ask ourselves, it's interesting why we can ask for some things from some people, but not other things from other people. And again, it's probably the interpretation that we put on it, the fear, the fear of rejection, the fear that other people aren't going to like us, that we might be seen as a burden. And so now I have some really good news for you. And even though we assume that asking for help might make us less likable, there's actually been research that shows that the opposite is true, that those who ask for help and those that get help are seen as likable by those who help them. Otherwise, how could they explain even wanting to help them? And there's even more good news, and that is most people are wired to be helpful, that people have a natural instinct to really want to help other human beings. We just need to know the right ways to ask. Uh, there are so many people out there that love helping and want to know, how can I help? And what would be something that could be helpful? And there's, a, there's an old Yiddish phrase, if any of you know, it's called a mitzvah. It means a gift. And it says, many people love helping. They see that as a mitzvah. And so to be able to perpetuate that trust and openness and connection by asking for help is also helping the mitzvah to perpetuate itself. Um, am I okay on time, Charlotte? Do I have about five more minutes? Um, yeah, you can take five more. Okay. Um, so let's look a little bit about um, how we can ask for help to make it most successful. We want to, um, we know that, that people who help often find that they feel better. You know, people who volunteer, people who give to charity, people who give donations, they actually find that it boosts their mood. And there's been studies that show that people who give bigger, the biggest donations are actually feel that they have the best quality and happiness in life. So, you know, it's really important that we remember those things and not to feel badly about asking. So, the best ways to ask for help, let me start by saying the best way not to ask for help 
So there are some ways that we don't want to ask for help. And we don't want to um, apologize, over-apologize. Another psychologist, Heidi Grant, she calls these weird ways of asking for help. She says, just don't be weird about it. Um, So, you know, it's, you don't want to say, oh, I'm so, so sorry to have to ask you this. You know, I, I feel terrible. I know this must be just a terrible burden for you. She said, don't do that. You know, it, it sets it up in a very shame-based way and it makes it weird for the other person. She said, don't make disclaimers like, oh, I hate to have to ask you this. Um, it just, it just tears me up to even have to, to bring you into this request. You know, don't disclaim things. Just say it succinctly and say it with validity. Um, You also don't want to emphasize how much the other person will love helping you. Like, oh, I know you're going to just love doing this because you know how much you love being in a car with, you know, five little chatty girls or whatever. Um, You also don't want to remind people that they owe you something. That's not a good way to ask for help. Like, Remember when you asked me to do that uh, report a while back and I did that for you? Well, now it's time for you to pay up. That's probably not the best way to ask for help. There are some good ways to ask. And the simplest ways and the best ways to ask are to just be direct, be explicit, you know, just state, this is what I need help with. Um, and this is, this is what I think the value of it is that needs to be done and the validity of it. Being really mindful when you request help, you know, make it a reasonable size. You don't want to ask someone to do something that you know would be very consuming of their time, but something reasonable, you know, it's okay to ask for. You want to open, be open to receiving help too that maybe wasn't the exact help you asked for. You know, maybe you needed a ride somewhere and maybe they said, well, you know, I'm going that way a half hour earlier. I could drop you off sooner. That'd be fine. You know, it might be a little compromised, but still you're building a relationship when you're asking for these things. So you want to make your request direct. It's best if you do it person to person, as opposed to like just a large shout out email to an entire group. Um, And you want to then afterwards really be responsive to the person, letting them know that what they provided was very effective help. More, they call it other directed. So, you know, you are such a great organizer. That was really helpful. Or, you know, you did such a great job in your communication. We really appreciated that as opposed to, Thank you so much. That just took such a load off of me. We want to kind of keep it other directed because people want to be reinforced for what they did. And I personally notice myself, even when I'm my caseload is full, if another clinician comes to me and says, you know, I really appreciate the way you've worked on these specific issues with other people. I find the way that you do that kind of therapy very effective. Would you consider taking on this one other person? I'm much more likely to say yes than if they just say, you know, I'm really full in my caseload right now. I can't take on one more person. How about, you know, if you do it? Remember, I took on one of yours once. You do it now, you know. I'm much less likely to want to be um, reciprocal in that regard. It feels much less collaborative. 
So I think what I'll do is I'll stop there and I will hand it over to the next speaker. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was a great background and summary of kind of a lot of the different issues that are at play. So now we're going to have Artis uh, give us a little more from her perspective. Okay. Thank you. Uh, when it, when I had to reflect upon why I felt, thought that asking for help was difficult, I think sometimes I feel like it's making me look less. I want to be an independent person. I want to believe that I can do everything myself without needing assistance. So it's sometimes difficult to ask for help. I'm also concerned about not getting the help in the way I need it or getting it in a fast enough timeline. And sometimes it's just the nature of when it happened. I can still remember when I lost my sight in a car accident and I was in the hospital and the way people treated me. And I was so uh, concerned because they would act like they had to do everything for me, everything from putting the pills in my mouth, et cetera. And from day one, I just said, hey, I can do it myself. And so that made me just really feel like they thought I was stupid because I was blind. And so that made me really look at, um, you know, help from a different perspective. Another thing that sometimes I feel uncomfortable about the people around to ask for help I know when I'm flying, I fly quite often. I usually ask for um, assistance to go from one gate to another. And I still remember um, quite a long time ago in Chicago, I had to go from the airport to the hotel that was connected to the airport. And I asked the gentleman to bring me to the tunnel because I was told the tunnel was pretty straightforward once you got it, you was the only, he got to the right tunnel, it was straight over to the hotel. Well, I got to the tunnel and the gentleman said, well, I'll, I'll continue to walk with you over to the hotel, make sure you get there. But I just didn't feel comfortable with him. He was too um, close, too um, touchy. And, and I just said, no, I'd rather just do it myself. Well, he, he insisted. So I kept walking with him. And I happened to be holding a Braille book in my one hand and my cane in the other hand. So I was kind of holding his arm with the book in my hand. Well, then he he let, uh, he let put his arm around me and started, and I said, uh, no, I don't really do that. How about you holding the book here and then I can hold your arm better. <laughs> and I just didn't feel comfortable with him all the way over there. And then I got to the hotel and to the front desk and checked in and he kept standing beside me. And I just felt so uncomfortable. And, and the gal said, well, would you like someone to show you your room? And I said, yeah, that would be great. And he said, oh, I'll do it for it. And I said, no, 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 um, thank you. And I had given him a tip already. And I said, um, the hotel um, can handle it. You just go ahead and go. But the clerk just didn't get it. She didn't get my signal that I didn't want him helping me. And so she said, well, he can go ahead and help you. Well, he got to the room and when I went in my room, he tried to force his way in the room with me. And so I just had a really, um, I pushed the suitcase ahead of me and I quick slammed the door and, and I was just so upset because he was so obnoxious. And I think sometimes that maybe leaves a flavor on me that 
you know, you really have to be careful uh, when you allow certain people to help you. And I should have been right up front and told the clerk, hey, I'd rather have a hotel person doing it because I don't feel comfortable with this gentleman. But, you know, I, I like to be nice and I didn't really want to say that in front of them. And so I think sometimes we have to be right up front why we want um, help from who we want help from. One of the things that helps me to do ask for help is when I have simple things I need help with, like asking someone for directions. I'm walking down the street and I'm not sure exactly where a building is or I'm not sure uh, which street to cross. Then I'm more likely to ask somebody. Although asking directions is very difficult because you don't always get the directions you want. You might ask for which street do I cross? And they say the one straight ahead. And then you uh, um, go across or somebody will say, well, it's right to the left. And then you forgot to ask, well, is it before you cross the street or after you cross the street? <laughs> so <clears throat> sometimes you have to be really clear on any directions you're asking for, too, because it's easy to um, get the wrong answers. I know uh, one of the things that helps me to get over the fear of rejection is sometimes I offer people payment, um, especially if it's something that's not going to be quick, you know, then I'll say, well, hey, I'd be happy to pay you if you could give me assistance with this. And a lot of times then they'll come back with, oh, no, no, that's only going to take me 10 minutes. That's no big deal. I'd be glad to help you because you're giving them a sense that you're willing to do something for them in return. I also keep a list of resources. I have people that I call when I need help with my website, when I need um, technical help with my computer. I have a different list that I have of people that when I need help on a particular area, I can give them a call. And sometimes it's something simple where they don't expect payment, but I've used them times when I have paid them. So then I feel more comfortable asking them for a quick thing, uh, especially like my computer, something happens and I'll give him a call. And he's fine with that because I, I pay for him when I need other things. Another thing I tend to do is when I need help finding a person or finding someone that can assist, I'll ask people for referrals. Um, who, who helps you with this or who helps you with that? And I feel more comfortable if it's somebody that has used someone in the past versus, you know, calling somebody in the yellow pages to ask for assistance. I also do like to thank people who have helped me. And I usually just say thank you. I really appreciate it. And I also do like to... If I ask them for a lot of assistance, like I get regular rides to church, well, then I'll make sure that maybe at Christmas I'll get them a gift. Or if I'm, for their birthday, I'll send them a, a birthday card. So I like to remember people who help me, you know, more often than, you know, someone I just, you know, ask for a one-time assistance. Great. The other thing I like to keep in mind is when I do ask someone for help, I try to make sure I ask them, hey, do you have the time right now? Or are you in a hurry? Because 
you don't know if they're running out the door. Just uh, if I'm catching someone in the hallway here at my condominium, I don't know if they're in a big hurry and I don't want to stop them to ask them a question if, you know, they have an appointment and they have to leave right away. So I try to ask if they have time right now or I can ask them later. And sometimes just being careful about when you ask is helpful too. Another situation that's real easy to ask for help is when I'm at an airport and I want to know if there's a restaurant nearby or a restroom nearby. I'll just ask another person that's in the same waiting gate where it is. Because I have had trouble sometimes with the meet and assist person asking them to bring me to a restaurant because um, sometimes they don't always take me to one that I'd prefer to go to. So sometimes I prefer just to get to the gate and then I'll ask a, a customer, well, if there's a restaurant close by and then I'll just walk there myself and just ask somebody where it is. To me, I feel more comfortable sometimes with that than someone assuming which restaurant they wanna bring me to. So I think understanding who you're with and making sure that you're with the appropriate person really makes me feel more comfortable when I'm asking because it's hard always to know, especially with strangers, exactly you know what their attitudes are and what they're how they're going to receive your questions and like wendy mentioned vulnerability we don't want to be too vulnerable to people that are strangers so i try to just take that action and i do have ira that i can use if i don't feel comfortable with the people around me i can call ira and ask um, the person answering for help and then obviously you don't have to worry about, you know, being vulnerable because they are insured to be able to help you in the best manner. So I try to think of asking for help in several ways and just keeping things in mind as I ask for help that I'm safe and that I get the help I need. And that if someone doesn't want to help me, I'm fine with them saying, I'm sorry, I don't have time right now and just taking that and then moving on to the next person and asking the next person. I really have always been pretty open to people and friendly. And most times I have not had a problem with asking people. I haven't had too many people just be really nasty about asking. When I ask them for help, most people are pretty pleasant and say, hey, I'm glad to help you. What do you need? So on that note, I'll leave you you to go to our next person. Yeah. All right. Well, Derek is up next. And uh, thank you for joining us. Let's see what you have to say. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, first of all, again, thank you so much for having me. And um, it's always good to go last because you get to hear what everybody else says and build on that. But inevitably, you're going to repeat some things. So I apologize in advance if I repeat. That's really important. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So uh, let me start with a story for uh, my life. I lost my sight when I was 18 years old and I grew up in a very small town. And so there was, I think, maybe one other blind person. 
and that person was older and uh, lived with their family and didn't really go out a whole lot. And so I really wasn't sure what was going to happen in my life, being 18 and wanting to go off to college. Uh, I had lost it the uh, summer after I graduated high school. And so all my friends were going to college and it was going to be great and wonderful. And I had all these plans that were totally ruined by sight loss. And so I thought, well, I, I can't go to college this coming semester. And so by pure determination, grit, and maybe stubborn headedness, I decided I'm going to go in January this spring semester. And so that's what I did. However, I didn't realize what it was going to be like being a blind person now that everybody else was, you know, doing their own thing. So I was in a room by myself. Well, I had my guide dog, but uh, he was poor conversation. So I was in a room by myself and I had to figure out how to get to class. I mean, how to get to cafeteria, which was just down, the, you know, uh, in the lobby of my building, um, how to take tests, how to do my homework. I had to figure all this out. And while the semester before I had worked on, you know, becoming a blind person, if you will, there were just so many unanswered questions. And so I realized very quickly that I was going to have to do this. Nobody was going to come to me and say, Derek, here's what you need to do. And here's all the ways we can help. And here's how we're, nobody was going to shove help on me. So I was going to have to figure it out. Now, I did have a good student services at that college, but even then they were not going to do it for me. So I had to become my own advocate. And so I just realized that I had to talk to these professors. I had to tell them, you know what? I'm visually impaired. Uh, I don't like it, but here it is. And slowly but surely, I started to work out how was the best way to go about this. For example, I had one professor who was the classic college professor. He had like the jacket with the elbow pads and a beard, you know, that classic college professor look. And I told him, I said, I need somebody to read this test. So could you send it to student services? They'll read it to me and they'll send it back. And he said, well, why don't you just come to my office during office hours and I'll read it to you. And I thought, wow, okay. So I went to his office. He read me the test. We had a great conversation. And after that, I was one of the only two people passed that test, myself and one other person. And I really didn't know the material. So I think he probably helped me out because of our nice conversation. But Needless to say, it was very, very beneficial. And another professor, I went to him and I said, hey, I'm visually impaired. I need to take this test. And he said, well, what can we do? And I said, you know, is there any way I can get an electronic version of it? Then I could take it with my laptop. And he said, sure. So he brought me back in the days of floppy disks. He brought me a floppy disk. I put it in my laptop in the class. I changed the blank spaces to answers. I saved it and gave it back to him, which was great because I was able to take the test along with everybody else. And so I just had these moments of saying like, wow, this is great. I, I can do this because these professors were so kind and helpful. Now, I didn't always have great experiences. I had one professor who called me man with dog. That was her uh, explanation of me, man with dog. And that professor was not trustworthy. I knew that I could not go to her and expect much from her. It wasn't because she was a terrible person. I think she just didn't understand and she was... Uh, in her own space and doing her own thing. And I was probably the only blind student she had at least that year. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to approach different people in different ways because of different circumstances. And over the years, uh, I've been blind 20 years this year. And over the years, I, I'd love to say that I'm really great at it now. I am a great advocate. I can ask for myself and everything's wonderful. But that's just simply not the case. 
I, I still get nervous about asking people. And if it boils down to it, it's obviously, as Dr. Whitney said, it's, it's fear, you know, fear of rejection, fear of being looked at weird, fear of being less than. I mean, all these different things, we just have this fear. And fear is a powerful thing. It can hold us back or it can motivate us. So it just depends on how we look at it. Another big thing is being an independent person. We all want to be an independent person. We want to be independent. We want to make sure nobody else has to do for us. And we want to make sure we can do everything ourselves. But the hard truth is after losing your sight, you're going to have to do things differently. And some of those things you just can't do for yourself anymore. Take, for instance, driving. That's, that, that's gone now. You are no longer able to drive. That doesn't make you a bad person. That just means you cannot physically operate a motor vehicle. And so you're going to need some help. You're going to need rides different places. You're going to need maybe somebody to pick something up for you. And you're just going to have to ask. And even though it's a difficult process, it's a worthy process. Because again, as we have heard, you deserve it. And that's what you we need to understand. Whether it's asking for something... Uh, for something somebody needs to do for you, like getting a ride or maybe somebody reading something for you if you're not able to you know, get a magnifier or something to read it out loud. No matter what the case is, we all need help from time to time. And one thing I try to remember about me is this. I need help because I'm visually impaired, but other people need help because of other reasons. It might be physical, mental, emotional, whatever. Everybody needs help from time to time. And sometimes I get to be the one providing the help. You know, I'm not helpless. I get to do all kinds of wonderful things. And sometimes I'm the one that gets to say, yes, I will help you. And I remember that life is a balance. Sometimes I need help. And sometimes I'm the one giving the help. Uh, I think there's a phrase that says, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. And so the idea <laughs> is simply that, you know what, we're all going to have struggles in life. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Sometimes we're just going to struggle and there's nothing necessarily wrong with struggle. And we just have to know that that's going to happen. We just have to keep moving forward in those situations. And so as Dr. Wendy and I said, the, the thing about asking for help is that if we are a human being, as Dr. Wendy pointed out, if we're a human being, if we need a, uh, if we have a problem, then we should be able to ask for help. And there are things that put bad taste in our mouth or a bad flavor, as we've heard. And there are moments like that, and people can be challenging and call you man with dog. But I think the most uh, that most of people are willing and wanting to help. Now, they may not always know how to help, but they are willing to help. So we have to be our own advocates and tell those people how best to help us, when they can help us, and why it's so important that we need that help. And so no matter what the situation may be, it's important. It's um it's more than just asking for a ride somewhere or to read something. It's about making another connection or a connection with another human being. And that's really what life's all about. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank all of you. Yeah. Just building on that idea there. Um, a lot of the stuff that I read, it talked about asking from a place of we are a team. So, you know, when, if you ask like, um, you know, you apologize and do all that, some of the weird, odd, odd things that people do, you know, that make it kind of an awkward situation is because we're not coming from the place of we're a team and how, how can I help you and how can you help me? And we don't want every relationship to be a transact, you know, based on transactions, like, will you help me now? And then I'll help you later, but rather from a place of like, 
we're all better off when we help each other, right? So whether it's in the corporate setting or in our personal life, um, that's, I thought that was an important, you know, thing to say. So just coming from that place up, you know what, today I need your help, but I'm definitely going to be here for you when, when you need some help as well. And just coming from that place. Um, One of the things I noticed when, uh, uh, when he was talking about college, it kind of reminded me of when I did college, I lost my sight when I was 20. So I did college later. And I, one of the things that helped me is I tried to uh, grab a student that was in the class that was going to another class uh, that with me. And so I would try to line up someone in that class. Well, who's going to such and such a building after this? And then walk with them. So that way I could get there faster. Because, you know, that's one of the issues when you're walking from building to building. You want to make sure you get to the next class on time. And that really... Uh, made me feel more comfortable if I could have somebody that was going the same direction, doing the same thing I was doing, rather than, you know, just trying to do it from a thing, well, I need help, who can do it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to also underscore something that artists said that I think is really important. And that is that we might ask for help, and we might get help, but we don't feel very comfortable with the manner in which the help is being given. And it's really, really important that we honor our inner feelings and that inner voice inside if something doesn't feel comfortable, because just because we've asked for it and just because someone's there, if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel comfortable, we are not obligated to accept that help. And, you know, her, her situation of the person in the hotel, absolutely, you know, you don't want to open yourself up to anything that could be unsafe. And, you know, to, to make a simple statement that, you know, I prefer that a hotel person do it, or I'd prefer a woman show me if, if it even wants, you want to go in that direction. Um, but you have the right to decline, even if you've already asked. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I mean, I think that is like one of the, sometimes that's the basis of our fear too. Like, is, am I going to, if somebody says yes to this saying they're going to help me, is it going to get done? You know, like, is it going to get done? Mm-hmm, <laughs> is it going to mm-hmm. get done the way I wanted it done? Um, and, and for me and my kids, that's always an issue. Like, okay, you said you were going to clean the bathroom for me. And then like, this was not the quality job that I was looking for. So now we have to have this conversation about it. So, you know, being really clear up front what your expectations are is always good. So like in that situation, you say, okay, all I need is your help getting me to the front desk. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. That's done. And, you know, getting and you may like leave that. now. And um, yeah. it's an interesting thing about pay because I often will pay people as well or offer to pay. And over the years, I've had kind of an interesting situation where I've had people that would not accept pay. And when I, offer to pay them. It's like, definitely not. Um, And those are the people that I have found really get joy out of helping and actually form a connection with me and have become lasting friends. Whereas people that I, and I am still happy to pay if that's the arrangement, but people that I pay, it's, it's a very different relationship. You know, it's, they're doing a job, they get paid, the job's done. 
the relationship is often over. Whereas um, it seems like a very different kind of connection and community for people who really appreciate and enjoy the value in helping each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think it probably, I think it probably depends on the situation in many ways. Sometimes things are very transactional. If I ask somebody, can you help me find this thing on the shelf in a store? That's very different than asking somebody to pick me up for work. Like for example, at my job, uh, somebody picks me up every day. Like they are just the person we've agreed. They come pick me up. And now it's sort of a relational connection that we've made. And so now too, if I need something else at work, I will go to them because they're very trustworthy. They understand how to help me a lot better now. And so it's, it's building differently than something a little more transactional that maybe you won't see that person again or very rarely. And so the situations that arise, you end up approaching them a bit differently as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. No problem. I had a situation just a couple of weeks ago. I hired a new cleaning lady and um, usually have them come every so often just to make things sure things get done that I don't always see. (laughs) Anyway, I hired a new person and I did not think she was doing a very good job. But on the same token, I wanted to make sure that I just wasn't being fussy because obviously I touch things. So I might feel dust that they might not see, or I might um, think something is you know worse than it really is. So when I had my computer tech guy out one time, I just said, hey, would you mind doing something? You're gonna think it's silly, but I'd like you to you know, check and see what you think about her job, because I don't wanna look for a different cleaning lady if you think I'm just being over, um, you know, asking for too much. And he right away said, oh, no, 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 you need to get a new cleaning person. And so, you know, it just made me feel really good. And he said, never. He told me, don't ever not feel comfortable asking me something. Hey, we're friends. So anytime, even if it's something out of the ordinary, just don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, You know, one of the psychological survey or studies that I read about uh, when I was preparing for this said that they found that often if people are actually more willing to help you, if you ask them to do something big the first time, um, even if they said no. So um, they are much more likely to say yes to you the second second time. Um, but I just, that was really interesting, wasn't it? Like often we're afraid to ask again if they said no the first time. And it said, no, ask again, because they're more likely to say yes the second time. Yeah, because there's a built, built-in thing in us that we felt a little bit guilty for saying no. Right. Like, well, we said no last time. Now we have to say yes. Don't you find that when, when people are asking for money sometimes? Like, I didn't give last time, so now I better do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, related to that, um, you know, being willing to have people say no, um, there was two other things. First of all, with, with my kids, I was like, well, you need to think ahead. And be willing to accept that my answer might be no. Mm-hmm. And like, what, how are you going to respond? Or what's your follow-up? Like, is there a compromise that you're willing to have? Um, and that they, they pointed that out as well. Like a lot of times people might be like, my answer is no to what you asked for, but I can do something else for you. So one of the examples was, you know, she was going to ask someone to um, edit a book for them or to review a whole book. And the person's like, absolutely not. I do not have enough time for that. But I'll review one chapter for you or I'll edit a chapter for you. So just give me one chapter and I'll, 
go for it, you know? And so, um, you know, that, that's something that we have to think about is, you know, maybe somebody can't help us move our entire house, but maybe they'll let us, you know, store a couple boxes at their house or something, you know, like think about other ways that are, somebody might still be able to help you out. So. Yeah. I always appreciate when people say no, especially if it's uh, relationships, like, you know, maybe they, I ask them to watch my kids or to give me a ride somewhere. I always tell them, feel free to say no. And the reason I appreciate that is because later it means their yes is genuine. Because if I know that if they genuinely cannot do this for whatever reason, they'll tell me no. And then later, if they're telling me yes, I know it's not out of guilt. It's not out of pity for me because I'm blind. It's not out of, so that, you know, then they're talking bad about me when they're watching my kids or something. Like, <laughs> I know it's a genuine thing that they're giving me. And so I'm always like, it's okay to say no because everybody has to say no, you know, now and then I do, you do, and that's okay. So when you give me the yes, then I know, yes, this is a genuine yes. I, I agree with that, Derek. I had a funny experience at work when I was at the VA that everyone was complaining about our, in our department, about our boss, that he never gave people their promotion and they couldn't get their time off and they couldn't get their vacation. And I remember I asked him for something and he said, no. And I thought, well, he doesn't treat me any different than he treats anyone else. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of appreciated it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay. So one of the things that we kind of promoted was how do we craft a good ask then? So we've talked about, about a lot of that. Um, there was a little acronym that I came across and it was called SMART, SMART asking. So the S was be specific. Um, so it's very clear, you know, what you're asking someone to do. You know, I want, can, can you make this phone call for me? Can you take me to this place? Uh, will you watch my kids for from this time to this time on this day? Um, secondly, um, the M, meaningful, um, help people, uh, well, people need to feel like they're effective or that they're going to make a difference. Otherwise, they're just going to disengage. Um, so, you know, people are willing to endure a lot if they know they're making a difference. So really explain like how it's meaningful. Um, and then like, oh, is that like call out your shared goal, uh, which is always good or your group relationship or not always the best one, but, or your common enemy. I mean, like sometimes that's the thing that you have in common is your common enemy or your common um, struggle. And then uh, third action. So always uh, the recommendation was talk about what they're going to be, not what they're going to do. So you're going to, will you be a helper? Will you be a donor? Um, will you be a voter, be a speaker? Um, because somehow people in our minds, like we respond better to, I'm going to be something rather than I'm going to do something. Um, just psychologically, like they found that asking someone to be something garnered better results. Uh, the third or the fourth one R is to be realistic. Allow people to choose how they help you if it's possible. Um, and, you know, don't, you can ask big asks, but it has to be something that they can actually do. So, you know, I'm not going to ask my six-year-old to wash all the pots and pans, but, you know, realistically, he could put the silverware away. So, um, and then time, specify the amount of time commitment that you expect that this is going to take. And if it requires a deadline, you know, specify the deadline so that people have all the information they need in order to 
uh, decide if they can help you or not. Um, so that was the smart. Uh, and and if anybody wants, uh, anybody who's listening, you know, they want some of the, like the smart write out and stuff like that, we're going to have a handout available. Um, and um, you can always email me and I can send it to you. Um, okay. Did anybody want to comment on it? Crafting effective asks. Yeah, I agree. I think if we give a specified time and um, like, well, obviously some things like if you're at the airport and you need to find a gate. Well, that's kind of obvious. You know, they know that, you know, you're looking for a gate, but when it's something that uh, like in your home or at work where it could be that another time would work, you could just say, well, Hey, I'm, I'm needing to get this done by the end of today. Would you be available anytime to quickly do this? And I, I do think the time, you know, really would be um, specific. That would be a, a good way for them to feel more comfortable helping you than you just saying, well, can you do it right now? <laughs> so I think that that's a great thing to remember. Yeah. And I also like the initial question of, do you have time for a question right now? you know, in case they happen to be running off to a meeting or something. Yeah. And I think being specific with not only what you're asking uh, help for, but how they can best help you. Because as I mentioned, growing up in a small town, I didn't know any other blind people. So I would imagine that many people have never encountered other blind people, or they've encountered somebody who's on a completely different end of the spectrum, totally blind or something like that. So they may not know how to help you. I know for me, if I need help getting somewhere, walking somewhere, sometimes they grab me by the arm. You know, it's like, no, 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 hold on. <laughs> let, you know, let me take your elbow. It's, and, and explaining how you can help me because then they're like, oh, okay, well, I, I just didn't know. It wasn't like they're rude or they were trying to do something. They just didn't know. And this is a good opportunity to educate yeah, this way, put your elbow out or you, whatever, you know, don't say over there, tell me a direction, something like that. So not only what you need help with, but how they can best help you is important. And I think along with that too, is not assuming that they know that you maybe need help. I remember I used to walk into rooms of meetings a lot at work and everybody would be sitting around and I didn't know where there was an empty chair. And so I started realizing that people just didn't understand or think that when I walked in that I needed to know where there was an empty chair. And so I had to kind of make it clear at one point, you know, it would really be helpful for me if when I come into a room, if someone could just maybe pat the chair a couple times, so I know where there's an empty chair. And after that, it was much easier and people did it. So um, but I couldn't assume that they knew that I didn't know where there was a chair. Yeah, and you know what, that brings up another thing that was in some of the articles, and that was a called um, the illusion of transparency. Um, so people in these studies, they found out that people tend to overestimate the degree to which their thoughts and emotions are apparent to others. Mm -hmm. um, so the reality is that other people pay much less attention to you than you think. That's right. Um, they're often far too absorbed in their own subjective experience to pick up on the subtle cues. So even if you think like everybody's going to know that I was crying or everybody's going to be able to tell I'm nervous, well, it's not really true. Um, a lot of people aren't even probably going to notice. They might not even notice that you're blind. Um, they might not notice that you even have a guide dog. Like they just might think you're walking your dog. Uh, <laughs> so so I mean, like yeah. it, you 
we all think that other people think about us way more <laughs> than we, they actually think about us. Um, it's kind of humbling, kind of, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so we really have to actually ask for help. Um, we can't assume that other people know that we need help. And I mean, and that goes, I think that goes a lot in um, domestic relationships as well. Uh, you know, and I think that's like, it's like a, the whole husband and wife thing. Like it's almost a cliche, a meme, you know, that um, the guys don't know, you know, what to do. You know, they don't know that chores need to be done or something like that. And I mean, obviously it's totally cliche. It's not necessarily 100%. It's true though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still learning. (laughs) But but along with that, Charlotte, I think the, the uh, specific is really important there as well, because maybe not only realizing that you need help, not only realizing what it is you need help with. So like, rather than, you know, I could really use some help over here. Like, <laughs> instead, I could really use some help. Could you could you just empty the garbage can and bring it back and put it away? It'd be, it just would be easier for me to take care of the rest of the stuff I need to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that because sometimes we assume people know what we need help with and we assume that somebody's going to come over and like you said, uh, get us a chair or, mm-hmm. or uh, get us to do something. And I think if we ask up front, then it'll be easier next time around and people will know, yes, that's what you need to help. And I, I found the same thing because you go in and sometimes people will come up um, and come up to me and ask me if I'll need help. And that's and that's great. But I don't always need help. So you have to feel comfortable with saying, oh, hey, I know where I'm going or I know what I'm going to do and, and just be nice about it. You know, some, I've heard some people be really rude mm-hmm. when they're offered help. And I I'm try to be really nice, say, hey, I don't need help today, but next time, please, you know, feel free to offer. Yeah, I you always know. thank them for asking anyway. Right. Whether I need it or not, it's like, I really appreciate you asking. I'm, I'm all set now. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And that's yeah, when, I- when you want to offer help to be very specific. Like I know uh, like when someone in my family passed away or when I had a baby and people are like, just let me know if you need any help. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> know. What, should, what am I going <laughs> to yeah, I need lots of help, but you know, what can I ask you for help? So, you know, to be more specific and say, you know what, call me if you need a meal, I will bring mm-hmm. you a meal or mm-hmm. call me if you want someone to come watch the kids for an hour or take your kids to the park or, you know what, call me if you just need to go to coffee, you know, and talk for an hour. So being very specific about what kind of um, help you can provide, you know, in those kind of overwhelming life situations for people. That, that is so helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, should we have about 15 minutes left? Should we open it up um, to questions from our callers? Brad, are you just going to have, go in line there from the first yeah. person? Yeah, and I do it. Limit your comment to a minute or less. <laughs> okay, Lynn, you can unmute. Hello, this is Lynn, and I used to teach, um, in, in Olympia, I used to teach workshops on giving and receiving help, and I know a lot of the things I could really resonate with all of you, and I really appreciated it, and what I used to do is if I had, like I was, when I was, um, my husband was dying, people were so helpful to me, they came out of the woodwork to help me, and I think that 
um, in leadership anchorage. And I think that um, when you do ask for help, you thank people. And I think that you have to be creative and flexible, like Derek was saying as well. But like I said, this is a, a great topic. I think um, blind people don't really usually think about this because I used to uh, teach this to peer counselors, actually, about teaching and um, about receiving and asking for help because receiving help is as, as important as asking for help as well. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, Eric, you should be able to unmute. I've started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the last year. And my least favorite part of it is when we're doing open mat and they say, everybody go find a partner. And they've just said <laughs> to me, just just yell out that you need a partner. That to me is like kind of like a child waving his arms around. Hey, anyone want to roll? Anyone looking for a partner? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? Bueller? Um, how do you suggest you deal with a situation like that? What do you think would be easier for you? Pardon me? What do you think would be easier for you? in that situation? I don't know, because everybody, it's pretty much sighted people, they're looking around on the mat to see who's available. I don't have that information. I think I sometimes will walk around a little bit and say it every so often, like say say every 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Hey, Would it be easier if the instructor helped, helped match you or? I mean, yeah, but a lot of times it's just open mat. There's no real instructor. I mean, I instructor's rolling with everybody else, so he can't always be looking at me. Do you have the same people in the uh, classes every time? Whoever shows up. I mean, some people show up pretty regularly. Other people don't show up as often. Oh, because otherwise you could just ask a couple of them, you know, when you're coming in or getting set up. Do they know you can't comes. see them? Yes. I would make an announcement at the very beginning of class before you get to that. I think if it were me, I would at the very beginning say when it gets to the open mat time, when people are choosing a partner, would someone um, be kindly come my way if you're near me and, and match up since I wouldn't be able to see you to know if you're available. Okay. But it's, it's every six minutes we rotate. So it's oh, not, oh, it's, I see. It, it's oh, so that is hard. Constant. Yeah, that's def that's by far my least favorite part. Well, I think I would say that definitely at the beginning and ask people to continue doing it throughout the class. I don't know. I guess that would, I would that's how I would it do it. Be better for the instructor to just if you're there to organize that better. Yeah, that yeah. Makes it, that is hard. Honestly, that's wasting a lot of class time. People trying to find a partner. If they just had it like there's an inner circle and an outer circle, and you're you know flipping that you just go to the next person to be the next partner, that would make more sense and be more efficient anyway. But yeah, I agree. If you could find a way to say, okay, A, B, C, D, A goes to B, C goes to D. The next yeah. time D goes to A. He just, right. Uh, but he, he does. Know, I don't, he I hear rotate. that he's not feeling in a position to take over the instructor's lead. Well, it's because it's kind of a free for all. There is no real instructor mm -hmm. per se at the, a lot of these open mats or there is, but he's rolling with everybody else. So he's taking turns. So it's not, right. yeah, it's not the, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. And so I think if it were me, I would make an announcement at the beginning of every class that I will need this again today. Yeah, I would. And because people and as we said, people are thinking about themselves, you know, doing their own thing and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but making that announcement like, hey, anybody that, uh, you know, we're doing these things, if you could. Uh, um, if I'm yelling out, because at the end of the day, you're probably still going to have to say, anybody need a partner, then it's going to click. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But feeling like a five-year-old 
It's just yeah. kind of how some this part of it and sometimes <laughs> it's yeah. the nature of it. Help me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen that in dance classes and things yeah. like that too. I mean, I, I think that's not an uncommon thing that we sometimes face and it does require some assertiveness. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's awkward enough when you're sighted and you can see that everybody's ignoring you. <laughs> you can, you you can bring ask. a little sign and hold it up that says, I need a partner. <laughs> If you can see me, I can't see you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. okay, Thanks, next Eric. We have Thank you. Annie Davis. Can go ahead and unmute. Oh, my goodness. I have a lot of questions, and you might have addressed some of these in the beginning. I was um, at, at other sessions just kind of jumping around. One problem that I often have with when it comes to asking for help, and I've had this problem for years dealing with people's reactions. And so oftentimes it's very hard for me because I have, like for instance, I might like, say if I ask someone to walk me to the uh, to the cafeteria or whatever in, in school or whatever the case might be. And they're like, no, I don't have time. Or like, don't, don't you know your way by now? Like, or just whatever way I'll get yelled at. And so I either will just try to find my way and hope that someone notices or, you know, I might, demand but I, I really don't well to make a long story short it, because of you know having gotten adverse reactions mm-hmm. to requests right. for help it's hard to cheerfully and confidently ask that's so, it is hard that's and that's been your history it makes it very hard yeah there's how always you, that vulnerability issue of us like we you know how do we say well i deserve to have help <laughs> i can't get there on my own <laughs> how do we handle those kinds of reactions Mm. Is I it usually tr- a matter of time that they can't help you? I mean, I guess if you said, because I don't have time to, I guess I would just include that in the request. Do you have time to show me to the place? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like no matter what I say, either do you have time or would it would it work for you? Just seem indirect and you also don't want to manipulate but sometimes people are more motivated. It's like, well, you know, I'd be happy to, to buy you a coffee if you would take me to this and such an appointment. I would be more upfront and just say, I need help finding something. Is this something you would be able to help me with? Or, you know, do you know someone who can, if you're not able to? Right. Yes. Yeah. If they say no, then say, if they say no, I would just move on. And then what happens if they say yes, but not sincerely? Yeah, I, Yes. Well, are you sure? No, no, no. It's fine. Then, no, they, it's then they shouldn't fine. have said yes. That's <laughs> right. If they say yes, I would take it if you feel the, that so inclined. But yeah. usually I think most people, if they don't want to say yes, I think they're not going to say yes. Well, the other thing that happens, I know this is at like airports and hotels, you know, you'll say, you'll, I wait till I hear somebody and then I'll walk over to them and say, hey, can you tell me what number this is? And they won't answer me. They'll just keep on going. And so then I'll go up to the next person I hear. And sometimes it'll be two or three before you get somebody that'll answer me. I guess they figure if they're silent, I won't know they're there. <laughs> uh, excuse me doesn't always work too, because you can say excuse me, and then they'll think yeah. you're trying to get past them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I always try, and I'm, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that person just got bad news. Maybe they're in a rush because they woke up late and their day has started off horribly. Uh, I try my best to give benefit of the doubt if I can. Now, sometimes Maybe I'm in a bad mood. Maybe they don't speak English. Uh, you know, any, anything <laughs> like that. that. <laughs> now, uh, sometimes, and this is going to sound harsh, but sometimes people 
people just suck. And that's not to say that all people are terrible, but it's just those moments that you come across and you're like, oh, but then that feeds into, and I think, and I don't want to go down the rabbit trail here, but that feeds into our uh, emotional and mental capacity. Sometimes it's like, oh, what's wrong with me that they wouldn't help me or yeah. see, this is why my life is awful because I always need help. And, and so I think that's the thing you don't want to do is respond to their bad mood or whatever it is by internalizing it and saying, oh, this is something wrong with me. No, maybe they were just having a bad day. Maybe they're just a terrible person. It, whatever it is, don't let that have some effect on you. It's like, you know what? Okay, this wasn't a great interaction, but I'm still a great person. I just need a little help, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the challenge of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, don't give up because you will find someone that will be happy to help you. And remember, people don't always know you need help. And most people, if they have time, they're going to be happy to help. I mean, the research shows that people are twice as happy to help you as we think they will be, or twice as many will say yes, as we think will say yes. So just keep asking. Thank you. Okay, Penny, you're up next. You're unmuted already. Yes. Um, I want to say right quick, two things. Um, I grew up in public school. I'm a uh, back in the 60s and during that time we were socialized to believe that we should do everything independently i mean there was a real strong push for that Mm. and i think one of the big problems i see as a retired blind professional that's um, been in social work and all of that is the blind people that will not accept help even from another blind person I mean, I know people that think that if you offer help, they take it as an insult, even if it's to help with a document or help with something that you know you've got knowledge in, and they think you're attacking their abilities or you're taking over their job or you're, you know, and I wish in the conversation about asking for help, I think we also have to learn how to receive help and how to receive feedback because I know for a long time in my life, I, you know, if my mother got on me about how I cleaned the room or brushed my hair, I felt like whatever I did, I could never please her. I could never do things right. But the real truth was that she was trying to give me visual feedback that I didn't have. And I think in this whole conversation, we need to somehow get it across to people that not only do you have to learn how to ask for help, but we need to learn how to receive help. And that's my comment. Thank you. I think that's really true. And I I think think so much of it goes back to our history, like you said. Yeah. And there's a level of vulnerability in accepting help as well because it means you have to accept that you do need help from other people um and risk that it might not be the help that you really wanted like it might not be the way you wanted or and i think um, another thing too is sometimes in our families i know that sometimes if you ask for help from your from family members they act like they're put upon because you need something and i know when i feel like people are that way then I want to ask them again, you know, because I don't want that put upon 
attitude and I just think, well, I won't ask that person, I'll ask somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have to know what people are good at. You have to know their strengths. I mean, I won't ask my housekeeper to go to the store because she's Hispanic and reading things is very hard for her. But I will have her clean house because that's what she's good at. Right. I think think artists touched on that when she said she had lots of resources and also asked for referrals. You know, I think we do need to honor people's capabilities. And there's that sense of mutuality. So, you know, if you feel like you're always asking the same person, well, what can you do for them as well? You know, like what what team are you both a part of? How are you, you know, really supporting one another, um, you know, build on that kind of thing, maybe outside of your asking relationship, you know, build on that sense of mutuality. Well, I I get a ride to church every Sunday from the assistant pastor. And because I do, and I sing in the choir and I teach Sunday school. So it's like they want me to be at church because they know I work. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we're going to have to wrap up this. uh, Our time is about up. Uh, so if you want to kind of do just a quick uh, close on this, this has been a great session. I've really enjoyed it. And I want to be able to give the closing codes because I know people have to get to other sessions. So um, let me give those. And then, Charlotte, if you want to give a quick wrap up, and then we'll have to be out of here. Our closing code for today is 72734. Again, that is 72734. And quick uh, comment, Charlotte, before we go. Yeah. Uh, so I, as I mentioned before, uh, we do have some of these resources that some of the studies and stuff like that that we referred to um, and web links to other articles and stuff you can read. So I'm going to give you my email address or you can call Envision America and ask uh, for it to be sent to you. Uh, so Envision America's number is 1-800-890-1180. Again, that's 1-800-890-1180. Uh, my email is s as in Sharla Glass G L A S S at envisionamerica.com, and so we'd be happy to send out those resources so you can read more about this and some of the studies and things like that. A whole article on the tra- illusion of transparency and all kinds of stuff. Um, YouTube videos and stuff like that. You can listen to Dr. Heidi Grant, uh, who Wendy referred to, who wrote whole books about this. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there if you want to learn more and thank you for joining us. And of course, if you want help asking your pharmacist to provide script talk, we'll definitely do that for you as well. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. And, uh, we'll be on ACB radio. We will give you a little rundown with Microsoft Jenny about the sessions that are coming up. And for those of you on zoom, we'll see you in the next session.